Hey guys, welcome back to Midweek Midrash, a podcast of Auburn Wesley. If you haven't been with us yet, you might not be familiar with the concept of Midrash, and it might even sound kind of unpleasant. I know it does to me sometimes. Um, But like Tony explained in part one of this week's episode, Midrash is an ancient practice of reflecting on scripture. Um, Speaking of part one of this week, if you guys haven't listened to it, I would highly encourage you to listen. We'll be talking about it a lot in our discussion today. Um, It's really beautiful and it provides like a really beautiful entry into a lot of the discussion that we'll be having today and tells you a little bit more about the idea behind a midrash and what it is. Um, So what this practice of reflecting on scripture really looks like, the unpacking, the reading deeply, um, looking between the lines and underneath the words, um, and being able to listen to God in this way. Um, So... If you want to, you can push pause and go listen to that episode, or you might have already listened to it, or you might say, no, I'm good, let's keep going. Whatever way that you choose to join us, we are glad that you're here. So, here with me this week is Anna Percal, who shared some of her story with us on Sunday. Hi, everybody. Um, Today, we're going to continue both that conversation from Sunday, as well as a discussion that Tony got started during part one um, earlier this week, and I'm so excited to be here with Anna. She's a wonderful person. Woo! I'm excited to be with (laughs) y'all. So let's get started. So Tony talked in the earlier part of this week's episode about the story of the bleeding woman um, which is found, it starts in Mark 24, um, and she, we're told that she's this woman who's been suffering from this um, disease. We don't really know what it is. It's not named um, in the text, but Tony talked a little bit about, um, there's a verse that says, now there was a woman who had been suffering. She had endured much. Um, which I think kind of introduces us to this concept of, Tony talks about... Um, that it's not just this disease that she has, it's not just the physicality of it, it's not just the physical suffering, the bleeding itself. Um, Although we know, like, to imagine that, that sounds really horrible, and we know that it's been going on um, for 12 years, is what the Bible says, which, um, and she's tried everything and nothing has worked, Um, but that it's not just about the physical illness, but about um, this, like, social stigma, this shame, um, this like carrying a hiddenness or a brokenness about you. Um, If I'm not mistaken, I think generally in the Old Testament or in Jewish culture, um, bleeding in this way was often associated with like uncleanliness. Um, You're not pure, you're broken, there's something wrong. Um, Which Tony talked about a little bit feels like a really isolating way to live. And I think even like when we're facing anything um, that feels like it's only us or that it feels like a personal failure or like if we were just trying hard enough, um, then we'd be able to get over it. Then that itself can be really isolating. But I want to talk about this idea of like the places that we hide or the things that we hide or the times that we feel like we need to stay hidden. 
So for you, Anna, will you like refresh us a little bit about like your story and how did like, how did hiding or isolation or feeling the need to like cover up your problems? What did that look like for you? Is that something you've experienced? Yes, it is. Um, I actually in high school, what I talked about on Sunday is that I was suffering through anorexia my junior and senior year mainly of high school and um, not many people knew about it actually I don't think any of my friends or my family really knew about it if they were they're kind of in denial and so um, as was I uh, my experience with that was kind of as soon as I realized what I was doing and I knew that it was bad then I was shameful of it and hid it from everyone I knew and um, didn't want to own up to I'm purposefully um, harming myself and so I kind of just skirted away from the issue in every way shape and form Um, I lived in denial for several several months and um, hid from the pain that it brought to talk about it out loud and really the only time or the thing that it took to push me over the edge of not talking about it aloud was, um, as I mentioned again on Sunday, my priest from my home church um, was talking about her personal family's experience. Um, Her daughter suffered through a very similar disorder that I did, um, and something that helped her a lot was scripture and leaning on God um, to help her through fighting um, an eating disorder. And so... Me being new to my faith, I was like, what? And out? (laughs) Um, And so I kind of like dove deeper and I was like, this is interesting. Maybe I don't have to hide in the shadows. So I started um, being more open with it um, and talking to friends and being like, I need help and talking to my family. And then I got help. And it was just weird, difficult in a way to come out of the shadows, um, but also cool too, because um, kind of like in Mark 5:24, how the lady is afraid to touch Jesus's cloak, but she views it as like a last resort. That was kind of me also. And when she does, then she's like, oh, it was me when Jesus realizes that she was there um, because she's afraid of whatever punishment she was expecting. Um, And that was kind of me too, being like, ah, well, and now I must be punished for me harming myself for the past two years. But rather than that, you are met with grace and kindness and love. And it's just super cool to see um, that after being in hiding for so long. Yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting that like the places where we feel most broken are generally like the places that we're driven to shame or we're driven to hide, um, which, I mean, it seems ironic, but it's not that, like, the shame and the hiding are, like, the opposite direction of the healing because the healing happens in the light, but it's so terrifying to think of these things being revealed and of other people seeing these things and of other people seeing how imperfect we are or seeing how frail we are that we aren't holding everything together or that we're we're flawed we're vulnerable um and I think it's really beautiful that for you 
um, the thing that gave you hope and the thing that gave you the courage to come, like to move towards Jesus, to move towards healing in this place was to hear about someone else um, who like they were probably just as scared of the healing and of the light and of that exposure um, as you were at what point, at some point in your life. So the idea that their courage then gave you courage to move toward the healing, like that this thing that was so terrifying for us becomes the thing that is freeing um, and is like we're transformed there as that experience is transformed. Um, and I think that really can draw us to like the importance and the necessity of proximity like that healing comes when we draw close to Jesus. Um, that like when we stumble or we reach toward him, when we like grasp for him, um, often when we don't have a lot of energy left, like I think we sometimes think we have to get ourselves all fixed up and we have to get ourselves like looking nice and clean in order to come to him like um or we're thinking like, when I come to Jesus, he'll be disappointed in me. Or if I don't have everything fixed up, he'll ask me why. Um, so we don't come because we don't feel perfect. But I think um, there's such a beauty in like the moment when we come to the end of our rope and we're like, okay, I have to reach out. I have to reach out because there's nothing else to hold on to. Um, so what do you... Like, do you remember anything about what that felt like to you? Like deciding, okay, I see a little bit of light. I see where the healing could be, maybe. What did it feel like for you to draw close to it and to draw close to Jesus? Like, was that a scary thing, a hopeful thing, um, a confusing thing? What was that like for you? In a way, it was kind of a blend of terrifying and uh, freeing. Because um, my family, growing up, my grandparents lived with me, and both of my parents are very Christian, but my grandparents are very atheist and set in their ways. And so I kind of had two sets of parents in a way, and so there was a constant tension of like pulling towards loving God and being like, this is so exciting from my parents. And then going from one room to the next and hearing in the kitchen the complete opposite of what I heard in the living room of like, how could you be doing this? Why are you resorting to Christianity? There are so many other ways to find help. This is not the one. And so at the same time, while I was very, very, very excited and I felt like this huge weight lifted off of my shoulders, then I still had an inch of like, yeah, maybe this isn't the best idea. Yeah. Um, but that's when community really stepped in and all my friends and going to church were like, no, no, like listen to your parents aside of this argument. As much as you may love your grandparents, rely on the Lord and he'll help you love them despite their different beliefs. Um, and you should rely on Jesus and the grace that he gives you because don't you love that freeing feeling? Yes, well then cling to it rather than having the negative thoughts in the back of your brain. So it's kind of interesting to see the two um, play out. But in the end, obviously, I ended up listening to the good part of that and <laughs> chose Jesus, which was really, really freeing and cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, 
I want to talk a little bit about, um, there's a line in this story that Tony talked about that we won't get into much of like how it plays out in the story, but I want to talk about, um, it brought up some other stuff that I think is really important um, that has to do with like my experiences, with Anna's experiences. Um, so there's this line that says she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease, which like, that's incredible. That's, you know, a miracle just happened. Um, but the line she felt in her body, like even just that part, um, brought to mind to me a lot of my experiences growing up in church where like, listening or paying attention to or like honoring or respecting like your feelings or your gut or your instincts or like the like the signals that your body was giving you about like oh this is good or this is bad or this is a safe place or this isn't safe um that's really not something that was encouraged um where I was growing up like I was taught like stuff along the lines of like the heart is deceptive above all else. Like you can't trust your feelings. You can't trust your instincts. Like those are only ever going to lead you astray. Those are sinful. Those are bad. Um, And then like in the sense of how we talk about bodies in the church, um, it tended to be like, I don't know, this view of bodies as objects to be mastered instead of as gifts or as holy places um, that the Lord has given to us, that the Lord, um, places where the Lord dwells. Um, And I think, I don't, you know, there's this idea of like, your body is a temple, um, which I think is really beautiful and biblical. But I, like, growing up, always heard people talking about that as like, your body is a temple, so you have to get everything right, and you have to eat all the best food, and you have to work out constantly, and your temple has to look so good. Um, And I think, I mean, there's a Bible verse that talks about whitewashed tombs, that that reminds me of that a little bit, like a tomb that has been so polished and looks amazing and looks excellent, Um, but everything is dead inside. That is a little bit what that idea of our bodies being a temple looks like to me when we just think of it as this thing needs to look good and this thing needs to like be pristine Um, instead of viewing our bodies as a temple as meaning like this is something that I'm meant to care for, to honor, um, to treat with love, um, with gentleness, like those were not concepts that I had um, about the way that I could or even or definitely not was meant to um, treat my body. Um, there's a quote on Twitter the other day. I can't remember who said it. Um, it was beautiful. Um, that said the phrase, the human body is a good mystery. Um, and I think that that, I don't know, Anna, do you think that that, like, that your understanding or your relationship of your body, like, what role did that play um, in your life? Like, was your body a beautiful thing that you cared for and treated kindly? Or if you ever heard the phrase, your body is a temple, like, what did that sound like to you? Sorry, that was, like, three questions. Answer whichever one you want. (laughs) Um, I definitely viewed my body in a negative light um, because of... I did hear that phrase growing up, and I also viewed it as, beat it into shape, let's go. Like, why do you not look like the Sistine Chapel? Because that's what your body's meant to look like. Um, But I just, 
developed this really unhealthy mindset when I looked in the mirror and no matter what, there was always some sort of flaw. And so I just really strove for perfection and rather than caring about how do I feel, like, am I happy? Then I was like, no, 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 no. Like joy aside, let's look on, look at how I look and what I appear to be feeling to others. And so my whole mindset was focused on, I must look happy when I'm with other people, but I also must look skinny in a certain way and wearing the right things and and being a certain type of persona that I had built for myself. Um, one person I always compared myself to, and I kind of mentioned this on Sunday, just for like a second, but um, my mom looks up to Kate Middleton. She loves Kate Middleton. So if you walk into our house, there's just Kate, 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 Kate everywhere. <laughs> um, and so I was like, I'm going to look just like that. I'm going to be skinny just like her and dress just like her. And that just really got to me mentally. And then I would, this verse was talked about a lot in my youth group and I don't know I mean, they meant it as a beneficial verse. Yeah. And I really do like it now looking back. But at the time, I was like, right, right, right. Like, let's get that body working and moving. And yeah. it was just very detrimental, not only to, like, what did I eat, but also how I spent my time. And I spent my time working out rather than being intentional with other people. Yeah. And it took a toll on my mental health. So, um, yeah, it's crazy to see. How like over time as I've gotten more context into scripture and talked about it with more and more people. um, One, a lot of people have gone through the same thing, which is crazy because when you're in it, um, you don't really feel like that. And then two is that I've gotten a more well-rounded understanding of not only this verse, but a lot of other verses in scripture that were kind of like my motivation um, what, when I heard that, I would be like, ah, yes, it's approved. Now yeah. I have permission to harm myself. Whereas now when I look back, I'm like, ah, but it wasn't really approved. That was just me right. tainting the meaning of it. And so, um, it was interesting to see how like the same verse back then can be a completely different, um, like, uh, cane. That's the word I'm going to use. Cane to lean on. Yeah. Um, like in this point of life. So, yeah. That makes sense. I think the idea of, like, people can get this idea of the most beautiful temple being the one that has, like, the nicest architecture or that's super polished um, or that looks the most put together. And I think probably the Lord's favorite, the Lord's favorite temples or dwelling places or places of worship, churches are the ones that are, like, full of love and full of kindness and full of compassion and full of welcome Um, and I think like those are the things, like those are the ways that we're meant to treat our bodies. Those are the things that our bodies are meant to be home to. Um, so to move forward a little bit in the story, um, of the woman that we've been talking about, um, there's this moment where, um, Jesus looks around to see who had touched him, um, which I think is like, even just that is really beautiful, Um, because I think a lot of the time we have this idea that, um, we're going to like dart over to Jesus and like get our problems taken care of or like get fixed or, um, he'll like patch us up and then we'll get out of his way. Like, I'm so sorry. Um, 
Lord, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to be a burden. Let me just like duck in here and you can take care of my sins and I'm so sorry. Um, like I'll, I'll, I'll get away now. Um, which it sounds like in this story that that's kind of what the woman is doing here. Like she's trying not to get in Jesus's way. She's trying not to distract him. She's trying not to be a burden. Um, she's trying not to be too much. Um, so she just like sneaks a hand out and just touches him just barely. Um, and Jesus stops and goes like, who touched me? And all his disciples, of course, like normal people are like, dude, this is a giant crowd. It doesn't matter. Probably a lot of people touched you. Um, but there's this line where it says the woman knowing that she could not stay hidden. And I think that really brings us back to like, all the places that we try to hide and all the shame that we feel. Um, but when Jesus asks, like when Jesus calls us, when Jesus makes it clear, I don't just want you to like duck close to me quick enough to get your problems fixed or like get your sins taken care of. I want your presence. I want to know you. I want to see you. Um, I think that's a really beautiful thing because I think we're so afraid that when we draw close to Jesus, we will be sent away or that what he will see of us is our sins um, or that our sins are too much, our problems are too much, that we're too much of a burden. And I think Jesus is speaking directly against that here um, as he goes out of his way to meet with this woman and to be with her. Um, and that actually this next thing that he says, um, Jesus calls her daughter um, and tells her, your faith has made you well um, and tells her to go in peace. Um, which the idea that we like reach out for Jesus in our greatest weakness or our greatest isolation or shame or sickness or pain. Um, and that in that moment, the Lord not only stops to look at us and to be present with us, but then calls us daughter or calls us son, um, I think is really beautiful. Um, and I think takes it takes a lot of faith to make that first like grasp out for Jesus um, because there is that fear that like that we won't be wanted or that we won't be caught there. Um, so Anna, what what did that like? faith look like for you like were you ever afraid that like you were too much or that like your brokenness was too much or um maybe that like people or Jesus like wouldn't be able to handle your sin or your shame it was kind of scary to think about um because my dad is one to watch the news a lot. This seems like a tangent, but I promise that <laughs> it is related. Um, my dad watches the news a lot. And so growing up, I would walk home and there would be the news and you'd hear like all the bad things going on in the world. And it's very, very easy to compare your own issues to the struggles of others and be yeah. like, ah, well, my struggles really aren't valid because this horrible thing is happening in insert that country here. Um, therefore, the Lord just really doesn't have time to help me um, learn how to do a simple thing, um, which is what I told, this is what I told myself, but he doesn't have time 
to help me learn how to simply take care of my body. Like that's something that everyone should know how to do. Therefore, I'm just being high maintenance and difficult for asking for assistance with this. Um, and it kind of took several people beating that mindset out of me and being like, no, 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 no. Um, and it, it's difficult still to wrap my mind around it, but honestly, like the more, the longer I've done it, the easier it gets in a way. Um, just because I am constantly reminded by friends and community and others like, no, no, he has time for you. Um, and so, um, it's been cool to see how like I've learned to lean on him more. Whereas at the beginning when I was like just exploring my faith and becoming a true Christian rather than just the textbook Sunday morning churchgoer, um, I leaned on him a little bit, but part of my mind was like, yeah, but I can still do this by myself. Yeah. Um, whereas now that obviously doubt creeps in every once in a while, but less often than it did back then and so it's cool to watch how like having a community and people who also believe can remind you that even though you have an issue don't compare it to others issues because God knows that you're struggling with this specific thing and he is here to help you with that even though it's very very small um that's the issue that you were meant to struggle with at this point in time um whereas others I don't want to say we're meant to struggle with. That sounds depressing, but... It is what they're struggling with. Yes. Whatever we know and don't know beyond that. Yes, It's what we're struggling with in the moment. Exactly. And so he's there to help you with whatever your current life state is. Yeah. I think, um, sort of to wrap us up, there's this um, final thing that we kind of... That Tony talked about um, in part one of this idea where verses or stories like this can be used in really harmful ways um, where like Jesus tells her that it is her faith that has healed her. And then we can use that and turn it around on someone and go like, okay, well, if you've got a problem or if you've got an illness or you've got this grief um, that you're still struggling with, you're not healed because you haven't had enough faith. So if you would just have a little bit more faith, then you'd be better now. If you'd have a little bit more faith, you wouldn't be sick anymore. You wouldn't be struggling with this sin anymore. You wouldn't be depressed anymore. Um, And I think that that is super harmful. I don't just think it's harmful. I know that it is. Um, So Tony talked a little bit about, like, faith is not a magic wand. Um, I like to think of it as, like, faith is not a math problem. Um, I don't put in X amount of faith and get Y miracle. Um, if I haven't gotten Y miracle, that's not because I just put in, you know, one half X faith and I just need to double it. Like it's not, faith isn't an equation and neither is God. Um, and I think a lot of the times the faith isn't just, like Tony talks about, the faith isn't just the things that you believe in your head. It's this like, full-bodied movement is this full-bodied faith like the woman doesn't just like stand off in the crowd and say like I think that the Lord could heal me or even I believe that the Lord could heal me she moves toward him she reaches out for him and I think that in a lot of ways like it's the faith 
that allows us to draw close to Jesus. It's the faith that I don't know what's going to happen. We don't even always know exactly what's going to be there to catch us, but it's this faith that says, I will not be turned away. Like, maybe there is a chance that God will catch me. Um, And I think that those kinds of prayers are those kinds of moments where we reach out um, with just enough faith that the Lord might catch us. Um, not because those aren't always like our most confident moments or our most like, yeah, everything's going to be good. The Lord's got me. Um, but those moments of desperation where we have like nothing else to cling to. Um, I think a lot of the times, like those are the Lord's favorite prayers or favorite moments with us. Um, because they're honest and they're real and they're raw. Um, and they're just us coming straight to him. Um, and I think that the Lord finds that beautiful. And I don't think that our lack of confidence or our lack of certainty um, is always the same thing as a lack of faith. I think sometimes the faith is moving towards God even when you're not certain of what's to come. Um, and I think that's really beautiful. And I think that's a really beautiful part of this story and of our lives. Um, So Anna, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I've loved this conversation with you. I can't wait to get to have another conversation with you guys next week and to get to dig into some more scripture and some more stories. Um, So we'll see you all then. Bye. Bye.